So 50 days of transformation, we're looking at seven areas of our life, spiritual life, physical life, mental life, mental health. We talked about that last week. Today we're looking at emotional, emotional health. And that is what we're going to talk about. How do you deal with how you feel? How you deal with how you feel, how you feel. Last time we talked about managing our thoughts. Today we're going to talk about managing our feelings. Managing our thoughts Today we're talking about managing our feelings. Look at this beautiful verse. Jesus says, the most important commandment is this. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind and all your strength. Love the Lord with all your heart. How many hearts have you got? So what does he mean by all your heart? He not all of your hearts, but all of your heart, wholeheartedly, wholeheartedly. Can you hear the emotion in it? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind. There's emotion in this. <coughs> emotion in the words of Jesus. All of your heart, all of your mind. God wants an emotional relationship with you. God wants an emotional relationship with you. He doesn't want just a heady relationship, a head knowledge relationship. He doesn't want an academic, intellectual understanding. Oh, I understand the truths of scripture. The theology of my, of my upbringing teaches me that I, this, 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 this. And you look like you've been sucking a lemon. You look all, that, 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 that's fine. You, truth is truth. And we believe in truth and we teach truth. But God wants an emotional relationship because it is a relationship. When you put on Facebook in a relationship, you're not unique. It's not like you're the only person in a relationship. The whole world, all 7 billion of us are in relationships. But when you say on Facebook in a relationship, you mean in a relationship and you leave the whole world wondering who who is it it is a specific you're talking about an emotion you're telling just by saying uh, in a relation you're telling someone that my heart has gone for a six yes he doesn't want you to just have a heady relation he wants you to have a passionate uh, a, 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 a an emotional relationship with God. God wants you to not just believe truth, but he wants you to respond to him. He wants you to work with him in such a way that it is a feeling-full relationship. A feelings-full relationship. I want you to understand emotions. Emotions. Let me give you a few facts. Number one, emotions. God has emotions. God has emotions. God has feelings. God gets angry. God loves. God cares. God feels passionate. God feels uh, you know, embittered sometimes. God, feel, but God does not feel bored. That's a not. That's not a feeling. God never gets bored. We are the only ones who get bored because we live with ourselves. So, obviously, God has feelings. God has emotions. Number two, my ability to feel is a gift from God. God gave you that. Otherwise, you'd be a robot. You'd be a robot. All the movies about robots are about how the robot is beginning to have a feeling. Have you seen that latest one where the robot has a tear coming down? And everybody in the world is going, oh, the robot has... So what? The point of the matter is that 
We are different to robots, we are different to buildings, to machines, because we have feelings. Feelings are important, it what, it's what makes us human. It allows us to love, to create, it allows us to be faithful, it allows us to be loyal, it allows us to be generous, to be kind, to be compassionate. It arouses feelings within us that then makes us want to do something about it. God says in Genesis chapter 1 verse 26, let us make man in our image. In our image. So God is the one who made us in his image. He has emotions and we have emotions. We have emotions. But there are two extremes that you want to avoid. Number one is emotionalism. Emotionalism is where all that matters is how I feel. Emotionalism is, is all that matters. It means all that matters is how I feel. It doesn't matter what I think. It doesn't matter what the reality is, doesn't matter what the truth is, doesn't matter whether it's right or wrong, doesn't matter whether it's harmful or whether it is, it is not harmful. If I feel it, then it is true. If I feel it, then it is authentic. What only matters is how do you feel. That is emotionalism. The opposite of that, an extreme opposite, is stoicism. Stoic or stoicism. That guy is saying feelings are not important at all. They look like a statue. They want to think through everything. They want to analyze everything and want to be objective, so objective that no emotion, no feeling comes to bear on anything. And when you take emotion, sorry, you take stoicism and you apply it to a relationship, it leaves the relationship cold. I said I love you, no? I told you. I gave you a ring and I told you 35 years ago, I told you I love you. What is your problem? Don't you have a roof over your head? Huh? Isn't aren't you well fed? Didn't you have dinner last night? And then what is your problem? I don't it must mean that I love you because two plus two is five, yeah. But you know what's funny? Stoics always marry emotional people. And emotional people marry Stoics. And they make each other miserable for the rest of their life. It's just incredible. Emotion as a word is not used in the Bible that much, but you'll, use, you'll see the word passion and you'll see the word affections. The, our affections, our desires, our passions. Okay. And number four, the Psalms has been given to us as, a, that's why it's everybody's favorite book. Yeah, it's not Numbers or Deuteronomy. Yeah, it's not Ezekiel. We don't even know if Ezekiel is there. Yeah. Or the book of Hezekiah. Have you, had the, have you read the book of Hezekiah? Yeah, that's amazing because there's no book called Hezekiah. <laughs> God has given us Psalms and everybody loves Psalms. Why? Because it invokes feelings. Every possible emotion is in the Psalms and every Psalm reflects some emotion. And David wrote the bulk of the Psalms uh, and, and the good ones and the bad ones, all the emotions, negative, positive, everything is there in the Psalms. So God has given us the Psalms to show that he involves emotions. There's complaining, there's lamenting, there's sorrow, kill him, kill him. Have you read those Psalms? David is like in the middle, kill him, murder him, let fire come down. That is so us. That is so us. So when you're feeling like that, think as a psalmist. Think, think, think you're like a psalmist. Yeah. Lord, let them let the fleas of a thousand camels infest their armpits. Oh, that's not in the psalm. Sorry, that, that's not in the psalm. I just that was just me. 
but god has given us that today we're going to talk about the skill of managing our emotions most people are not good at managing emotions like we're not good at managing our thoughts we talked about that last week it's a key to the peace of mind and the success that we're looking at and uh, that's what we want to uh, i want to spend some time on that today why is it important why must i learn to manage my emotions why is it so important why must i learn to manage my emotions you ready you got your notes you got your pens let's go let's go number 1 is because my feelings are often unreliable my feelings are often unreliable they lead me in the wrong direction how many times i thought i i know this is the right thing to do i know it and then it turns out all wrong and you get in, you get in a mess and you thought but i but i felt it i felt it in my gut i knew that this was the right thing i thought that this was god's will or i thought that this would work out yeah you thought that you felt that but didn't make it true feelings don't necessarily make a basis for you to rely on last week i said you don't have to believe everything you think everything that goes through your mind just because you thought it doesn't mean it's true you don't have to believe everything you think today we're saying you don't have to believe or trust or ratify everything you feel just because you felt it doesn't make it real your feelings aren't reliable i'm not saying they're not authentic i'm not saying they're not your feelings i'm saying they're not reliable for life's decisions for life's directions Proverbs chapter 14 verse 12 says there is there is a way that seems right you get that circle that word there's a way that seems right unto a man but the end of it is death by death he doesn't mean like death death but he means that the works lead to nothing it needs to death it leads to separation from god it leads to uh, fruitlessness that kind of death and of course sometimes even death so our emotions are not infallible our emotions are not infallible this goes for both men and women this goes for both men and women because we say women are emotional but both men and women are driven by desires and affections as humans we are driven by desires and affections nothing we do wasn't preceded by a desire that's why james says it's your desires that lead you into temptation are you with me all right so uh number 1 because my feelings are often reliable why must i learn to manage my emotions to rein them in to take them under control because they're not reliable number 2 is because i don't want to get manipulated is because i don't want to get manipulated now here's the deal <coughs> if i don't control my emotions they will control me if i don't control my emotions they will control me and you will be manipulated by your moods by your moods are you listening to me if you are always guided by your feelings rather than what's right or by what you're committed to or by what god is saying by truth if you're always guided by your feelings if you're always guided by your feelings and other people are going to then take advantage of you because you are very easily strung up if i can get you upset like that if i can get you in love like that if i can get you emotional like that if i can kick up a mood and i can get you into the mood i can take advantage of you i can when you when an emotion takes over you become weak you are a slave to that emotion and you are manipulated by the person who's controlling that emotion in you the reason you must get control of your emotion must get a grip over your emotion is because you can be manipulated 
Even salesmen and, and advertising agencies, they know how to do this. They know how to do this. You find yourself buying a second vacuum cleaner. And you don't know why, because you don't even know where the first one is. You don't know where you kept it. You're still learning how to work that thing. And you keep saying, this sucks, this sucks. Get it? Vacuum cleaner. Anyway, never mind. And you find yourself with a second vacuum cleaner. And what happened? The salesman came to you and he got all that, or got you all emotional about, don't know what? And you're like, yeah, I need this. Yeah. And the family comes home. What do you need two vacuum cleaners? Stereo? Look at what scripture is saying. Proverbs 25, 28. Like an open city with no defenses is a man with no check on his feelings. Like an open city with no defenses is a man with no check on his feelings. Another version says, a person without self-control is defenseless as a city with broken down walls. Imagine an old city where the whole of the city, the community, is open and vulnerable to attack because the walls are torn and broken down. When your feelings are in disrepair, when your feelings are out of whack, they're out of control, you are like a city that is defenseless and anyone can take a shot at you. And then it's your old nature, the old man in you that whips you out of shape. This guy, he can't, he can't handle. When he's in love, he's nuts. He goes mad. When he's angry, you can't, he can't make any sense. So what do you have to do? Just make him angry. Just may make the person fall in love, make the person feel uh, lonely. When they're lonely, they make the person feel afraid. When they're afraid, they're crippled, they can't do anything. I know this person, I've been watching them for years. This person, this particular emotion, if you, once they are overcome by that one emotion, they're good, you, you can just take him. The old nature, the old nature takes you for a trip. It takes, takes you for a ride. And this is Satan's favorite tool. Listen to me. I love you and I'm telling you, Satan's favorite tool is your negative emotions. You have one or two particular ones that are your favorite ones from your birth and have, have been part of your nurture and nature and Satan uses that to take your trip. He will use resentment. He will use jealousy. He will use envy. He will whip you around with that. He will use bitterness. He will use worry. He will use anxiety. He will use shame. Maybe shame is your emotion that absolutely gets you, cripples you, paralyzes you, and he'll beat you up with that. You don't want to get manipulated by your emotions. So you need to learn to rein in your emotions. What am I feeling? How am I feeling? You need to get with it and have a plan. I want to teach you. I want to teach me how to manage my emotions. 1 Peter chapter 5 verse 8 says, Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around you like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. There is an enemy to your faith. There is an enemy to your faith and you need to be aware. Number three. Number three, why do I need to rein in my emotions? Why do I need to control my emotions? Because I want to please God. I want to please God. Listen very carefully. God cannot be God in my life if emotions are God in my life. Did you hear me? I want to please God. I can only please God if God is God in my life. And God is not going to be God in my life if there's another God. 
If emotions are God in my life, if emotions rule my life, emotions tell me what to do, emotions decide the direction of my life, an emotion decides the, dire the, the direction of a relationship, and if emotion decides whether I'm going to forgive or not, if emotion decides whether I'm going to save or not, if emotion decides whether I'm going to correct my child or not, then emotions are my God. If I make all my decisions simply based on how I feel, then I'm, I've made my feelings God. And Romans 8, 6 through 8 says, to be controlled by the human nature. Look at that. To be controlled. To be controlled by the human nature results in death, but to be controlled by the spirit results in, say it, life and peace. Life and peace, the opposite of death. Those who obey, underline this, those who obey the human nature cannot please God. Those who obey the human nature, if you are a subject to your emotions... Then your emotions is the subject. Your emotions is God. There's a fourth reason. Because I want to succeed in life. Because I want to succeed in life. The fourth reason why I want to control my emotions, get a grip on my emotions, is because I want to succeed in life. Now what does that have to do with anything? You're not going to succeed in life if you don't have control over your emotions. It's a life success issue. Most people screw up their careers, their relationships, their opportunities because they can't handle their emotions. Studies have shown, study after study has shown that emotional quotient is much more important than IQ, intelligence quotient. Intelligence quotient is very important. Emotional quotient is even more important. We've all known people who live by their emotions and then they waste their life. They get up in the morning and they say, what do I feel like doing today? I don't feel like doing anything. So they don't do anything. And that day has been ruled by an emotion. Proverbs chapter 5 verse 23 says, People get lost, he's talking about life, and die because of their foolishness and their lack of self-control. People get lost and they die. That's some powerful stuff. What's he saying here? He's saying people have ruined job opportunities because they couldn't pull their emotions together. People have ruined interviews because they couldn't hack their emotions properly. People have ruined relationships because they couldn't get over jealousy or, 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 or anger or resentment or bitterness or memories or something that controls. It's ruined relationships. Life opportunities have slipped by because in the moment they were not able to respond correctly. You get lost, you die. People die. That's the opposite of living because of their foolishness and lacks of self-control. So here's the deal. When you give your heart to Jesus, we say, no, I give Jesus my heart. When you give your heart to Jesus, that includes your emotions. That includes your emotions. What you're saying is, I give you my heart, Lord. From today onwards, you manage my emotions. You manage my emotions. 1 Peter chapter 4 verse 2, from now on you must live the rest of your life, uh, rest of your earthly life. Please underline that, the rest of your earthly life. <laughs> because you're going to have a body and you're going to have emotions for the rest of your earthly life that are going to be a challenge. Okay, you're going to have to rein it in, rein it in. Once you go to heaven, you'll be fine. That's, that's no problem because we'll be back to perfect. We'll be normal again. Everything will be in sync. No problem. But here on earth, for the rest of your earthly lives, 
Here's the deal. Here's what you want to say. For the rest of you, be controlled by God's will and not by human desire. Be controlled by God's will and not by human desire. Can everybody see that? Can you, am I in the way? You can see that? Be controlled by, say it, God's will and not by human desire. So the competing affection for God's truth, God's will, is actually my feelings. Not my theology. Not my theology. It's not my circumstances. It's not even my faith. It's not even my faith. It's my feelings. A lot of the time. A lot of the time. What are human desires? It's our emotions. It's our affections. And he says, for the rest of your life. My friends, my brothers and sisters, you need, listen to me. You need to trust that this is for your good. You need to trust God that when he says, my will for your life, and your feelings are like, no, nah, no. Nah. And he says, no, this is going to be good for you. And you're like, no, I don't want that. You need to trust that in the long run, God's will will be better for you than how you feel. Faith must triumph over feelings. And let your feelings follow what God is giving you to do, to be in your life. Stop fighting God's will. Start questioning your feelings. I want to warn you that you, when you walk out this door and you take the same stuff to secular psychologists and take it to the world, they're not going to agree with me. So don't go and say the rest of the world is saying that what you're saying is not right because it's very important to take into consideration your feelings. It's very important. It's part of your identity. It's part of who you are. No, it's not. That's not what God says. God says your feelings are completely under the control of sin. Your body is under the control of sin. Your spirit has been redeemed. And as your spirit gives, uh, gives subjection to the spirit of God, Romans chapter 8, he will also give life to your mind and your mortal bodies. That's the word of God. So the world is not going to agree with me. Don't go out there and say, but Pastor Jerry was saying, Pastor Jerry must be wrong. Pastor Jerry is wrong about a lot of things, but not about this. You've got to know that you have a competing worldview and you have to decide God's will or feelings. So I'm not putting us down when I say your feelings are not important. I said your feelings are not reliable. Our feelings are not reliable when it comes to the will of God. So now let's get to the meat of it. How do I manage unwanted feelings? I want to go to 9.15. Okay, 9.15. How do I manage unwanted feelings? Three ways, three things. How to manage an, an unwanted feeling. Do you have, ever have an unwanted feeling? Something, I don't want to feel like this. I don't know why I'm feeling like this. Why am I feeling like this? I don't like this. I'm, uh, it's, it's like taking control of me or it's taking too long to get over it. How do I manage my unmanageable, unwieldy, unwanted feelings? Number one, you name it. Number one, you name it. What does that mean? You've got to identify it. You've got to specify it. You've got to nail it. I name it. You know why? Because if you can't, then you're not very well in touch with your feelings. People say, I'm a very emotional, sensitive person. Yeah, really? How are you feeling right now? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> Sometimes I'm so confused, I don't know what I'm feeling. I'm feeling two things at the same time. I feel like staying, but I also feel like going. 
You're not very much in touch with your emotions as much as you think you are. And if you can't name it, then you can't change it. If you can't name it, then you can't change it. So you've got to name it first. First, what am I feeling? What am I feeling? Uh, Psalm 52 verse 2, my thoughts are restless and I'm confused, the psalmist says. Be honest about the fact that you don't know what you're feeling. And help God identify that feeling. That's, that's often how I feel. I'm confused. So you ask yourself a couple of questions. Number one, you ask yourself, what am I really feeling? What am I really feeling? Because what you're feeling is not what you're really feeling. Are you confused? <laughs> what you're feeling is not what you're really feeling. Even your feelings are not feeling what you're really feeling. So first question is, what am I really feeling? You've got to dig deeper, scratch the surface, get under the skin. What's the real thing? Sometimes I'm thinking, I'm feeling very down today. I'm just feeling, I'm feeling a bit discouraged. I'm feeling a bit depressed. No, you're not. If you dig deeper enough, somebody said something you didn't like. Mm -hmm. Somebody put you in a situation that you felt very uncomfortable. Some person you didn't want to see till 2035 showed up. They just showed up in the lift alone with you. And that, and, and that was like 30 seconds, but it ruined your day. But you didn't think so much of it. Now you're just treating everybody else like rubbish. And yeah, I'm just feeling very low, feeling very low. You, you got thrown out of your comfort zone. You got exposed to your own evil. You know how, you know how we hate that? When people help by, by mistake, by mistake, they make us see how sick we really are. Of course, we're not going to say it, but we just walk around like. You're put in that uncomfortable situation. The beggar comes to you and you don't have anything to give. And compassion comes up to this much. It doesn't come all the way out. It just comes up to this much. And then you kind of go for your thing and you see there's no money there. And you don't have small enough change because you carry only big, big notes. And you get that sick feeling and now you're ticked off that you were made to feel sick. And who gets it? Well, your wife, your wife will get it. Your son, your daughter, your, your husband, they will get it, they are there for you to get it. <laughs> Ready-made, they will not run away. And you go out and straight away, you snap back and say, what is the real issue? You're not, you're not angry, you're not upset, you're not, you're, you're, the real issue is you. Uh, so the, dig deeper, you'll find the real thing. You Something that, 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 that bothers you. Something that, it just, it, the beggar thing is my, my illustration. It really bothers me. It really bothers me. Because I think it's, it's a system and they're not mafia and they, they don't get the money and give them a banana, but there's no bananas. What do, and, and it just bothers me and five, for the next half an hour I'm like, but I'm a believer, I should be doing something about it. Where is the heart of Jesus and where's the banana? And that's a trigger. That's a trigger. Sometimes there's a guilt trigger. Sometimes there's an accountability trigger. Sometimes there is a, 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 an emotional. So you have to ask the second question, what is the trigger? What triggered this? Why am I feeling like this? So you question your feelings and say, why am I feeling like this? And you start talking about it. If you can't talk about it, it's already out of control. If you can't talk about it, it's already out of control. Your fear is out of control if you can't talk about it. Your anger is out of control if you can't talk about it. Your pride, whatever it is. It's actually, it's actually in talking about it that you get control, that you gain control. Triggers are amazing. Triggers are the smallest things. Triggers are something that you have no control over. It's just, it just comes by. 
And it triggers something, could be from when you're 5 years old, 15 years old, 55 years old, it triggers. Sometimes the trigger can be sight. You see something and it just triggers an old or a current emotion. It brings up something from the past. Sometimes a smell can trigger an emotion. A smell can trigger an emotion. Fourth standard was one of my favorite classes uh, during, uh, during my schooling days. After that, it was all downhill. But uh, whenever I smell scented rubber, do you remember the eraser? The eraser, and you had a smell of the scented rubber. I used to sit, sit like that throughout fourth standard. Pretty much the whole fourth standard, I sat like that. That smell just brings back fourth standard to me. It brings back Mrs. Lal, my teacher. It brings back that, that classroom, the feelings, the rain outside. It just brings back Lajpat Nagar in a very real kind of way to me. Just a smell. Just a smell. A trigger can be something you hear. You just hear that voice or you hear that sound. I was sitting in Bible college. I was 21 years old. 21 years old. And I was sitting in Bible college. I had left for Australia. I was all alone. I was, things were going well. My studies were going well. And, the, you know, in, in, in the college there, the college was made out of wood. All the walls are made out of wood. And the voice kind of echoes. And for some reason, my principal, standing in the corridor, just raised his voice to call out to somebody else. And all of us in the class, we just heard that voice. But for some reason, that voice sounded very much, very much like the voice of my school principal. My school principal was a person who breathed paralyzing fear into me. He brought me up from sixth grade on with paralyzing fear to the point where whenever that fear gripped me, and it gripped me for the most years of my schooling life, it brought out the worst in me. I didn't want to do anything when it came to school, when it came to studies, when it brought out the worst in me. So there's a career that's ruined by emotions. Are you getting me? Are you getting how powerful this is? A career, an education that is ruined by... I didn't want to listen to anyone authoritative. I was so filled with fear, I wasn't desirous to either run from or run to that authority. I didn't want to please that authority. I hated authority or authoritative figures from that point on. I struggled with God because I felt God was an authority figure like that. And it was in my three years of Bible college that God changed my life as he hugged me so tight and showed me close up face to face that he's nothing like the man I'm referring to. So, this person just said something. He was calling somebody out. He was not like, he just called that guy out. He wasn't yelling, he wasn't screaming, nothing of the sort. Just the sound, it just, you know, when the, it tunes this, the right. And I almost wet my pants. I was that. And then I sat there, I'm thinking, dude, you're 21 years old. And everything's cool. Look, look around, everything's cool, everything's fine. No one's going to barge into your room right now. No one's going to call you up. No one's going to give you a thrashing. Everything's okay. And you may, might have some parallel, similar, crippling fears. It's just a, a voice, a touch, a touch that someone touched you, the trigger an emotional response, a taste. You taste something and your second standard comes back. When you were five years old, it just comes back. Very, very powerful. So you say, what am I really figuring and what feeling and what triggered this? Are you with me? Are you with me? All right. What triggered this? On the more funny side, whenever people said, oh, when I went to Australia, I was like, oh, have you been to, a, uh, have you ever gone on a candlelight dinner? You know, a candlelight dinner? Yes, you made associations with stuff that you see or whatever. 
candlelight dinner i know no can they like romantic candlelight dinner that romantic and candlelight don't go together for me because candlelight means bati gayi it means it, it's associated with hot satyaniketan no electricity hot walls hot everything is there. we're just waiting for the bati to come that's candlelight for me and when you say romantic candlelight dinner i'm like are you serious you you put off the lights are you mad or dark glasses for me dark glasses whenever somebody wear dark glasses it's conjunctivitis conjunctivitis <laughs> no cool and all that no 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 rishi kapoor or anything it's just like dude he's got conjunctivitis stay away from him associations very very powerful very powerful number 1 name it number 2 challenge it challenge it number 2 is challenge it here's when you question your feelings you don't just automatically accept it automatically assume that it's correct just accept it as true or real challenge your feelings have the guts have the honesty to say i'm feeling angry but why am i feeling angry you know play the devil's advocate are things really as bad as they as i feel they are probably not are things really as good as they seem they are probably not so challenge it david asked uh david would ask he in his psalms he would ask god i don't know what i'm feeling i don't know where this is coming from what's going on inside me and he would say in psalm 7 psalm 26 verse 2 lord cross examine me test my motives and my affections lord cross examine me search me oh god try me see is, is what's going on in me what why am i feeling what i'm feeling find a friend find a friend sometimes you need a friend to challenge you a, a, a person that you allow into your life who has the freedom and the permission to challenge your feelings somebody who you will not kill if they told you that your feelings aren't that right somebody we 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 want people to tell us how we are doing right so you tell me that what i'm feeling is wrong i cut you off i'm not going to talk to you again kutti that's it So you spend your whole life putting people away who question your feelings, and now you're all alone. And then you say, "I feel alone." Find a friend. Job had Eliphaz. Job had Eliphaz. In Job fifteen twelve, Eliphaz says, "Eliphaz asked Job, 'Why has your heart been carried away? Why has your heart carried you away? And why do your eyes flash?'" Now that's Old Testament poetry, and you know what that means? This is why are you flying off the handle, Job, and why are your eyes all red? What are you so angry about, Job? What are you so angry about? A good friend who will question you and challenge your emotions. Ask three questions. Ask three questions. What's the real reason that I'm feeling this? That's the digging deeper wala question. digging deeper why am i what triggered this what is the real reason number 2 is it true is it true oh things are really bad you know i'm a, this my my relationship is a mess no it's not a mess is it is it really true is it that bad and question number 3 is what i'm feeling helping me or hurting me helping me or hurting me you can have a feeling and that feeling will either get you what you want or it will not get you what you want In other words you got to ask yourself the question am i going to get am i going to succeed with this emotion so you go to a restaurant and the 
waiter is very, very slow, goes into the kitchen and you think he's left for Jaipur and then he comes back one hour later and he still can't remember your order and he's back and forth, back, ar, ar, it's just coming, it's coming, oh, it's almost like, like he's got a, like he's working on the stove over there. And then, he, and, and, and you know he's lying, you know he's not telling the truth, you know that they don't even have eggs when you ask for an omelette and you're waiting. And then another couple comes in and they sit down and they get their food. Immediately. They get their food. They get their food immediately. And I say to my wife, are you seeing this? They got their food. The service sucks. Are you seeing this? And I call that person. Scream his toupee off. Is my yelling going to get the food to me any quicker? Answer, no. If the feeling is not going to help me succeed, dump it. Drop it like it's hot. Dump it. Dump it. Is it true? Yeah, it's true. It's true the service is slow. It's true that things aren't working over there. But by getting angry, is the service going to improve? No. So, drop it. The third thing you've got to do, the third thing you've got to do is you've got to tame it. Tame it. Name it. Challenge it. Tame it. Tame it. In taming it, you either change it or challenge it. You either change it or you challenge it. If you want to succeed in life, you got to learn how to master your moods. you got to learn how to master your moods. Two of, these, two of these things and we're done. Two of these things and it's done. So you have a feeling. You have a feeling. And listen very closely. This is going to touch your heart. You have a feeling. And that feeling is just downright destructive. It's going to hurt somebody else. It's hurtful. It's ineffective. And the only thing you can do with a feeling that's just no good, it's not going to amount to any good, is change it. Name it. Tame it. Challenge it. Tame it. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, Philippians says. So you ask, would Jesus feel this way? No, drop it. Would Jesus feel this way? How would he feel in this situation? Would he get angry with the waiter? Would he yell at the waiter? No, he wouldn't. Drop it. Drop it. So here's the deal. The bottom line is I instantly dismiss any feeling that doesn't make me like Jesus. I instantly dismiss any feeling that doesn't make me more like Jesus. Okay? Change it. One last thing. One last thing. You channel it. If you can't change it, and if it's of some good, you channel it. Imagine that you've gone through an injustice issue. Somebody has, you know, has, has, has been unfair to you. They were unfair to you because you're a man or you're a woman or you're from some part of India and you have experienced injustice. If you have experienced injustice, then that feeling is real. That feeling hurts like crazy. So what do you do? You channel it. You channel it saying, now I understand what injustice is and you fight for that cause. You now become a champion for that cause. You become a champion for that cause. You help other people who are struggling with injustice. You help other people who are struggling with racism. You help other people who are struggling with that particular weakness. Or perhaps, or perhaps, you're struggling with blocked love. You were not able to get married. You were not able to have a child. You were not able to, uh, to marry the person that you wanted to. Or you lost a life opportunity. Something happened in your life where you were not able to give the love or give the desire that you had. It's blocked. It's sitting there. What do you do? You channel it. 
You don't pull yourself back into a prison, lock the door, pull up the drawbridge, fill the moat with alligators and say, I'm never going to come out, I'm never going to touch, and you, and you, and you hunker down. What do you do? You channel it. You take that love. There are billions of people out there, millions of people. There's 137 million orphans in the world. You adopt and you'd love. You look for other people who need love. And you take that blocked love and un unleash it, release it, and love people. So when you're put under pressure, when you're put under pressure, what is inside you, what is of God, comes out rather than your feelings. I repeat, what is inside you comes out. So you ask two things of God. Number one, you ask every day, Lord, fill me with your spirit. Fill me with your spirit. Because the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, long-suffering. And number two, you ask God every day, Lord, manage my mouth. Manage my mouth. Because whatever's in my heart is going to come out in my mouth. Note that correlation. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you. Note the, dis the, the correlation between mouth and heart. I'm sorry I've gone so long, but it's very, very important that we understand this. And when you begin to work on this area of your life, in my er this area of my life, there will be change, transformation.